we would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have three hours plus of some of the very best in jazz music. And as this is the final show for the month of June, which is Jazz Festival Month, the Jazz Festival, of course, the uh, Toronto Dominion Vancouver International Jazz Festival is just booming. And uh, there's just so many events uh, happening all, well, it happened all weekend and, of course, all this coming week, right up to July 2nd. And uh, some amazing uh, performances and performers. So we celebrate on the jazz show live music. June is festival month, and live music is best. And what we've been doing all month, with the exception of one show where we, um, a couple of weeks ago, where uh, my good friend John Orsick, one of the founders of the Vancouver International Jazz Festival, uh, visited. CITR and the jazz show and presented a whole slew of music in our jazz festival feature. But the other programs this month have all been about live music and we're going to continue that tradition um, on this show as well. Uh, And then we'll get back to our regular jazz uh, features, which is usually uh, an individual artist Uh, and an individual album. We'll be uh, starting that procedure next month. But for now, live music from all sorts of sources. You can expect to hear music this evening from Wes Montgomery, from Grant Green, from Cannonball Adderley, from Sonny Rollins, and from Miles Davis and many, many others. But we're going to start this evening with a special trip back to Harlem, an after-hours club called Minton's. And this is a very famous recording done at Minton's Playhouse, which was located in the Hotel Cecil in Harlem. This was recorded in May of 19. 19- 41, May the 12th to be exact. The star of this jam session is somebody who really contributed to not only the legacy of the electric guitar in jazz, he was really one of the very first great soloists on that instrument, but he influenced all the modern guitar players, including Wes Montgomery, Barney Kessel, Jim Hall, um, Grant Green, they all came from Charlie Christian. Unfortunately, Charlie Christian didn't live that long. He uh, succumbed to TB and died at a very young age. Charlie Christian rose to fame when he was discovered by Benny Goodman and played with Benny Goodman's great sextet. This was sort of his regular gig. But what Charlie Christian liked to do best was jam. And as he traveled across the country as part of Benny Goodman's aggregation, 
Of course, when he uh, in in the different cities, Charlie Christian knew different musicians, and he would find jam sessions happening at uh, After Hours Club, usually in the African-American sections of these cities. And, of course, he jammed right through to breakfast time and <laughs> got a few hours sleep and, of course, then would have to make another gig with Benny Goodman. And uh, the next night he'd do exactly the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why um, physically he became uh, a run down and um, succumbed to uh, TB, which was fairly prevalent in those days, and they didn't have the, the kind of um, medication that we have now for that uh, horrendous disease. It's sad to say it took Charlie Christian away at a very young age, but he made his mark. So we're going to take you back to one of these important jam sessions, May the 12th, 1941, in Minton's Playhouse in Harlem. And we have Joe Guy on trumpet, who was at the time Billy Holiday's boyfriend, and a very, very fine trumpet player. On piano, we have a gentleman that uh, I think everyone should know, Thelonious Monk on piano, playing in quite a different style than we're used to hearing Mr. Monk. But, uh, you know, Thelonious Monk, for all his eccentricities and people saying that he couldn't play and all that, was a very well-trained musician, and he really knew his stuff. Anyway, it's very interesting to hear him on this very, very early recording, sounding very un-Monk-like. Charlie Christian is here on guitar, Nick Fenton on bass, and one of the pioneers of modern jazz drumming, Kenny Clark. And he was doing it before anybody. Uh, he liberated the bass drum. Um, normally in, in swing music, in music before, the bass drum was boom, 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 four on the floor. Kenny Clark used the bass drum as to punctuate uh, phrases and so on and broke up the beat and kept the beat on the ride cymbal. And, and um, he was one of the pioneer drummers to do that and, of course, uh, made his mark as one of the pioneers of modern jazz, Kenny Clark. So those are the people involved. Uh, the tape recorder was kind of turned on right in the middle of things, but it picks up. The sound is quite good, considering uh, these recordings were done on a wire recorder by a guy named Jerry Newman, who was a, a fan of jazz, and he had this uh, very elaborate, for the day, tape recorder. And uh, we're grateful to Jerry Newman, otherwise this stuff would be lost in the sands of time. So we're going to turn you over right now to this uh, jam session performance. They're going to do, first of all, variations on an old tune written by Bobby Durham called Topsy that the Count Basie band recorded. And then they're going to play a standard tune from the day, Stomping at the Savoy. So these two incredible jam performances with Charlie Christian on guitar. Enjoy. Live from Minton's Playhouse in Harlem. Thank you. 
May the 12th, 1941, in Minton's Playhouse, one of the great jazz clubs in Harlem. And, of course, we heard this incredible jam session with the, one of the pioneers of modern jazz guitar, the guy who really started it all, Charlie Christian. He was only 24 uh, when he recorded this. He was 25 when he, uh, when he died, March the 2nd, 1942. And um, it's, uh, it's so sad that uh, TB took this young man who uh, really made his mark on music, but he influenced every other guitar player um, on down the road, including all kinds of rock guitar players as well. Uh, he really put that instrument on the map. He wasn't the first to play the electric guitar, but he was the, 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 really the first to uh, create um, a concept of playing. And, of course... Uh, uh, he was way ahead of his time, and uh, he would have uh, made a major uh, contribution to modern jazz had he lived longer. But there were people to carry on the Charlie Christian tradition, Barney Kessel being one, Jim Hall, uh, later on Wes Montgomery, who we'll hear on the show later on, uh, and Grant Green. We're going to hear two great guitarists who, who really carried on the Charlie Christian tradition. We haven't finished with Charlie Christian yet. I should tell you the people involved here in this uh, jam session. Uh, Joe Guy on trumpet, very, very fine trumpet player uh, in his day, and he was Billy Holiday's boyfriend at the time. I think they married, too, briefly. On piano, a legend, and some early performances by the one and only Thelonious Monk on piano because he was part of this um, after-hour scene at, uh, at Minton's. Nick Fenton was the bassist, and Kenny Clark, one of the pioneers of modern jazz drumming, uh, was right here on this, and of course Charlie Christian on guitar. And we heard two pieces of music. The first one was uh, variations on the old uh, uh, Count Basie tune, Count Basie Eddie Durham tune called Topsy, and the second tune was variations on Stompin' at the Savoy, a great standard of the day. So as I said, we haven't finished with Charlie Christian. We're going to put him in with the Count Basie Orchestra. Carnegie Hall, the day Christmas Eve, as a matter of fact, 1939, from a very famous concert called Spirituals to Swing. And this is the Basie Orchestra with some guests. And one of the guests is Charlie Christian on guitar. And we'll hear solos here by Lester Young, a whole bunch of people. Uh, I'll let you know who they are after we hear this. Um, the Basie Orchestra. This is basically a jam session performance on the Gershwin standard, Lady Be Good. So sit back and enjoy this one. This is great.
That was from a very famous concert at Carnegie Hall in uh, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1939. And that was the Spirituals to Swing concert. All kinds of people were there. And we heard uh, sort of an expanded version of the Count Basie Orchestra with the whole band jamming on uh, the Gershwin tune, Lady Be Good. And we heard solos by all kinds of people um, in in the band. The basic uh, Basie personnel were there, including um, Walter Page on bass and uh, Papa Joe Jones on drums and um, um, Freddie Green on rhythm guitar, along with uh, Charlie Christian. They were both playing rhythm guitar in, in spots and, of course, some soloists here. So the solos, we opened um, with... Lester Young, the president on tenor saxophone, uh, and then a whole group of piano players were sitting in, including uh, Mead Lux Lewis, um, followed by Joe Sullivan, followed by Albert Ammons, and then we heard an extended solo by Charlie Christian on guitar, who we're uh, basically featuring right now, and then um, we heard two trumpet stars, Buck Clayton and Harry Edison, and then some uh, bass work by the great Walter Page. And uh, we also heard some uh, piano by the Count himself. So kind of a, a jam session performance and uh, with all kinds of people. So I mentioned all of them that, uh, that soloed. Lady Be Good. But the main feature on this was uh, the guitar work of the one and only Charlie Christian. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9. My name is Gavin Walker. We're also on the computer, of course, and uh, we live stream at CITR.ca. And something I neglected to do at the beginning of the program, I'd, I'd like to wish all of our friends uh, of the Muslim faith a very happy Eid Mubarak. That's the, their celebration is one of the biggest and most sacred to most Muslims um, every year because it signals the end of fasting and the end of a very uh, uh, spiritual period, Ramadan. And, of course, uh, the celebrations now go on for uh, a while. So, happy Eid. All right, we're going to move now to um, actually we have a couple of messages for you and we'll be right back with uh, some live music by the one and only Bird, Charlie Parker, recorded at the Royal Roost in 1949 with his working band. Stay tuned for that. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take-home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. 
You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenum-speaking Musqueam people. We're going to take you back to 1949 and Minton, uh, not Minton's, but the Royal Roost, which was a famous jazz club in New York City and home to Charlie Parker's working quintet. And uh, the date is January 15th, 1949, just after New Year's. And we're going to hear Charlie Parker on alto saxophone, of course, and with Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Al Haig on piano, and uh, Tommy Potter on bass, and Max Roach on drums. And those were members of his working quintet. We're going to hear three tunes. We're going to open with Scrapple from the Apple, a uh, composition by Charlie Parker, and then a co-composition that he and Dizzy Gillespie wrote called Bebop. And the final tune is the great anthem of modern jazz written by Tad Dameron. And that tune is Hot House. So here then, the Charlie Parker Quintet live at the Royal Roost. We'll have that in just a moment. Sorry for the delay. There was uh, some glitch on the uh, CD player, and uh, we've got it all straightened out now. So here is what I announced. Charlie Parker.
pop himself, the great Bird Charlie Parker and the All-Stars all with a new sound in modern progressive jazz. And right now, one you all remember that Bird, Dizzy, and Al Haig made and Curly Russell long time ago for Gill, the thing called Hot House. <laughs> Thank you. 
broadcast recording, January 15th, 1949, from New York's Royal Roost, one of the great clubs that featured modern jazz, and that was the Charlie Parker Quintet. Bird on alto saxophone with Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Al Haig on piano, Tommy Potter on bass, and the great Max Roach on drums. And that was Charlie Parker's working quintet of the time. We heard three tunes, uh, starting with a Charlie Parker composition called Scrapple from the Apple, and then a co-composition that he wrote with Dizzy Gillespie called Bebop, and the final tune, the great um, modern jazz anthem written by Tad Dameron called Hothouse. Charlie Parker and his working quintet. And, of course, these live recordings really show Bird at, at his uh, uh, freest um, rather than... And, you know, they didn't play long tunes in, in those days. Um, you know, jazz performances um, starting in the 50s and 60s, long solos and this sort of thing. But back in uh, Charlie Parker's day, although um, recordings were basically three three minutes... Um, live performances never went on very long either. At the most, they would go maybe six or seven minutes, um, and they were they were kept short. You know, uh, musicians made their statements and got out of there, and provided um, quite a bit more variety in different tunes and that sort of thing too, rather than go on and solo at, at length. Um, it was very interesting because they were able to uh, edit themselves so well and uh, play some very, very significant solos that changed the concept of jazz music. Charlie Parker. We're going to move now to a performance. It was the last recorded performance and the last great recorded performance by Chet Baker. And uh, the legendary trumpeter, of course, uh, a couple of weeks later, fell from a window in Amsterdam. And that was it for, uh, for Chet Baker. The, uh, there was lots of controversy about his uh, uh, death, what happened to him. I guess nobody will really know, but the, the best opinions they've investigated, um, the, the Dutch police... Um, and all kinds of uh, forensic experts and so on. And basically, um, Baker fell from the window. He'd lost his balance. He was getting some fresh air and leaning outside the window and sitting on the windowsill and, and lost his balance and, and, and fell to his death. Sad to say, he was 58 years old. These recordings, or this recording we're going to hear, was his uh, last recorded performance. And this was uh, done in Germany with uh, a, um, a big orchestra, and it's the uh, NDR Big Band. And there's all kinds of people in here. I'm not going to um, go into all the names, uh, but this is a very, very beautiful rendition of a Miles Davis composition called All Blues, and I've always liked um, this particular version of this tune. And, of course, Chet is magnificent on here, so... And we're going to follow that with some more music. Uh, following the Chet Baker, uh, we're going to hear um, Mill Jackson recorded live uh, in New York. And um, I will tell you more about it after you, we hear 
some music, and we'll just tell you what it is after we hear it. But we'll begin with Chet Baker. Here he is.
74 miles away. That's out there. All right. <laughs> we heard three pieces of music right now. Uh, we began with uh, Chet Baker and uh, his last recorded performance before his uh, untimely demise, recorded in uh, Germany with the NDR Big Band. And we heard a beautiful version of Miles Davis's great tune, All Blues. And uh, Chet, of course, sounding wonderful and uh, backed up by this very competent big band full of um, German musicians, basically, and all blues. Then we followed that with Mel Jackson, Bags, recorded live at the Village Gate on December 9th, 1963, along with a great band. It was a Monday night. And it was kind of uh, one of those bands that was put together just for this one occasion. And, uh, of course, Mel Jackson was steadily employed with the Modern Jazz Quartet at the time, but he loved to uh, do things on his own. And fortunately, it was recorded at the uh, Village Gate in New York, one of the great jazz clubs. And it was a great long kind of hall-like club. And... uh, of course, all kinds of uh, music was played at the Village Gate. Not only just jazz, they, uh, it was folk music and all, all kind of ethnic music, all kinds of uh, different uh, styles of music. But jazz was a big part of the Village Gate. And Milt Jackson, along with uh, tenor saxophonist Jimmy Heath, Hank Jones on piano, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and brother Tootie Heath, Al Heath on drums. And we heard a Mill Jackson Blues called Bags of Blue. Then the piece de resistance was the great Julian Cannonball Adderley with his quintet. And this is recorded live before a wonderful audience in uh, actually recorded at Capitol Studios, but with an invited audience with refreshments and all kinds of stuff. So basically, uh, that's the way Cannonball liked to record. Uh, he didn't like the cold confines of a studio. He, and uh, so, so many of his, of his recordings were done this way, uh, the optimum conditions of the studio, but with an invited audience. Seats all set up and refreshment tables and food, drink, all that kind of stuff. And that was a very special kind of thing. So we heard this incredible composition written by Joel Zavanel, who was the pianist on here, and of course Cannonball on alto saxophone playing one of his finest late period solos, and uh, Brother Nat on cornet, Joel Zavanel, as I mentioned, the composer of this piece on piano, uh, Victor Gaskin on bass, and the great Roy McCurdy on drums, and that composition was written in 7-4 time. And so it was called 74 Miles Away. And we heard Cannonball uh, back announce that tune right at the very end. And, of course, uh, he knew that they delivered one hell of a performance on that tune. Julian Cannonball Adderley. We're going to hear from Wes Montgomery in a very few minutes, but we have a few things to uh, impart to you. So, beginning with uh, telling you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9.
or on your computer, www.citr.ca. This is The Jazz Show, and of course this is the last edition where we're featuring uh, a whole show of live performances. And it's dedicated to Jazz Festival Month, which is all about live performances. So I decided to make this a part of uh, um, the programming for this month, all these great live performances. And we'll be back in a very few moments with uh, Wes Montgomery and company. We don't need to tell you that Vancouver has a housing problem. Mass evictions. Mass evictions. Unfair rent increases. What happened to rent control and protection from unfair eviction? If these or other housing matters concern you, you may be interested in joining the Vancouver Tenants Union. For more information, visit tenantsunion.ca. What if this summer you did something different? What if you worked with people you admired in a city that inspired you, making something that you were proud of? The Media Institute for Social Change is looking for students like you to be a part of their summer documentary program in Portland, Oregon. As a student, you'll create original audio and video pieces about issues that you care about. You'll meet and learn from media professionals whose work is aimed at social justice. You'll immerse yourself in Portland, a city that will serve as your hands-on media-making laboratory. Sound like your type of summer? Apply today at mediamakingchange.org. tell you about the weather and of course it uh, it's looking really good we all know that summer's here and that's just wonderful <laughs> all right tonight is clear um, it's going to become partly cloudy overnight with a little bit of wind out there but not nothing to worry about low of 13 then tomorrow is going to be the clouds are going to blow all away and it's going to be sunny for the rest of the day with a low of 13, highs between 21 and 24. And the next whole bunch of days, well, Wednesday, Thursday is going to be beautiful. Sunny both days with lows between 13 and 14 and highs between 22 and 23. Friday is going to be cloudy. I guess, um, you know, marine cloud. There's no precipitation in the forecast. So Friday is going to be cloudy. I guess that marine cloud is going to come in with a low of 15 and a high of 23. And then Saturday and Sunday is going to be a mix of sun and cloud both days. So it should be very, very pleasant weather. Low of 15 and highs up to about 24. So um, summertime and, of course, getting into that... uh, Long weekend, 150 years old. Yes, our great nation. And uh, 
really it is a great nation. Uh, we're, we should be very happy that we're living this side of the border. Mm-hmm. All right. We're going to now take you to the um, village gate, or uh, not the village gate, the, uh, <laughs> I've got all these clubs mixed up. This is the half note in New York City. And um, this is uh, a group of performances by Wes Montgomery, along with this great rhythm section, which backed up Miles Davis for so many years, Wynton Kelly on piano, one of the most underrated piano players. Wynton Kelly did so much stuff, and he was overlooked during his career, and people still don't talk about Wynton Kelly enough. He is just absolutely marvelous. Originally from uh, Jamaica and raised in New York, uh, incredible musician. Uh, on bass, the great Paul Chambers, and on drums, Jimmy Cobb. And, of course, um, it's just uh, so great that uh, um, they are able to back up uh, Wes Montgomery and uh, do all this beautiful stuff that we're going to hear. And we're going to open with a composition that uh, Miles Davis wrote. And it's, it's just a basic blues, but uh, wow, played by these guys, it's something else. And we're going to hear a few tunes um, recorded at the uh, half note. In September of 1965, West Montgomery and the Winton Kelly Trio. So we begin with No Blues. <laughs> Thank you. 
We heard the great Wes Montgomery in performance, recorded in the fall of 1965 at the uh, Half Note Cafe, one of the great jazz clubs in New York City, and of course Wes performing with his uh, favorite trio. That was the Winton Kelly trio backing Wes, with um, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And of course, uh, Wes, extremely inspired um, to be performing with uh, musicians of that caliber and just sounding so good. Uh, We heard him first on a Miles Davis tune called No Blues, and then we went to uh, one of the great standards, Willow Weep for Me, and of course, uh, John Coltrane's Impressions was the uh, final tune. That was Wes all the way on that one, just delivering a tremendous performance. Wes Montgomery, the legendary and one of the great, great voices of the, of the guitar, never used a pick. Everything was done with this amazing thumb. And that, of course, was his nickname, The Thumb. <laughs> one of the other prominent guitar players that came up in the 1960s was from St. Louis. Wes, of course, was from uh, Indianapolis. And, of course, he became famous with all his brothers as well. But Grant Green was the other guitarist who emerged in the 60s, very, very distinctive voice, and, of course, made all kinds of wonderful recordings for Blue Note Records. And later on... Um, pursued a little more uh, funky style jazz later on in his career. And we're going to play something from this, uh, from this more funky period featuring guitarist Grant Green. He was originally from St. Louis. And um, we're going to hear him with his band uh, recorded at the Club Mozambique in Detroit in 1971. And granted, as I said, it moved to a a more funky style, but still retained uh, his sound and his concept. And we're going to hear Grant with two great tenor saxophonists, one not well-known at all. His name is Clarence Thomas. And it's not, it's not the guy that's on the uh, U.S. Senate either. It just happens to have the same name. Um, but he's an excellent uh, saxophone player. I have no idea whatever happened to him, and I think this is the only recording that I know that he uh, appeared on. The other tenor saxophonist is much better known, and that's Houston Person. And we have Ronnie Foster on the Hammond organ, the great and I do mean great, Idris Mohammed on drums, and, of course, Mr. Grant Green on guitar. This is a composition by Clarence Thomas, and it's called Farid. And uh, this is a neat tune. Check out Grant Green and Company. Thank you. 
That was recorded live at the Club Mozambique in Detroit, Michigan, and featuring the guitar stylings of the one and only Grant Green with his band and two tenor saxophonists. Um, The first one was Houston Person, and the second soloist was Clarence Thomas. Now, Houston is well-known. Clarence Thomas is not well-known, and I think this is the only recording he ever appeared on, and um, <laughs> he's in no way related to the uh, uh, the guy on, uh, on the uh, Supreme Court in the United States because uh, he could never play like uh, Clarence Thomas here. <laughs> he's a square. Clarence Thomas is hip. Two different ones. Anyway, um, Grant Green, of course, on guitar, Ronnie Foster on Hammond organ, and Idris Mohammed on drums. And this was a composition by Clarence Thomas called Farid. So I hope you enjoyed that uh, piece of music by the great Grant Green. We're going to switch gears uh, right now and play some music by Miles Davis, the second great quintet. But first of all, I'd just like to tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show, and it's our final show for the month of June. And we have been um, doing extended jazz features on great live performances from all over, from arenas, concert halls, clubs, uh, and so on. We're going to go right now to a big concert hall, the Concert Fusette in Stockholm, recorded on Halloween night, 1967. And this is, of course, the second great quintet led by Miles Davis and all these great musicians should be familiar to you. Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock on piano, Ron Carter on bass, and all those three musicians are still very much with us. As a matter of fact, Ron Carter will be appearing at uh, uh, the Jazz Festival next week. Yes, Ron Carter, the legendary. And, of course, on drums, Tony Williams. So Miles Davis, Wayne Shorter, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, Tony Williams. And we're going to hear four tunes. And the way Miles was playing in those days, the tunes are segued. Uh, There's no break between any of the tunes. The first one is Agitation, written by Miles Davis. And then a very famous tune written by Wayne Shorter, Footprints. And then a very different version of Thelonious Monk's Round Midnight. And that segues into the final tune of the set, written by Jimmy Heath, Gingerbread Boy. And then we'll have a little taste of the closing theme. So this, then, is Miles Davis and the Second Great Quintet.
Thank you.
Miles Davis. And the second great quintet, just a fountainhead of uh, creativity, recorded in Stockholm at uh, the Concert Fusette on Halloween night, 1967. And we heard uh, Miles, of course, on trumpet, with Wayne Shorter on tenor saxophone, Herbie Hancock on piano, Ron Carter on bass, and Tony Williams on drums. And the pieces of music we heard, they were all segued together, uh, began with Miles Davis's composition, Agitation, and then moved to Wayne Shorter's Footprints, and then to Thelonious Monk's Round Midnight, and then to Jimmy Heath's Gingerbread Boy, and then, of course, a little snippet of the theme right at the very end. Set closer. And it was very interesting because when this tour of Europe was over with this um, group, it was then that on return to uh, the U.S. that Miles Davis began to uh, um, change up his music. And uh, he, he was thinking... Um, and, and he said the reason he did this was that the quintet had reached such a peak of creativity that he felt that they could never get any better. They would just end up getting stale. So Miles, of course, being the restless spirit that he always was, uh, moved toward um, changing the sound of the quintet and bringing in more electronic instruments like electric piano, electric bass, Etc., 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 until um, things evolved to uh, the album called Bitches Brew, and then onward and upward and sideways, and <laughs> all that kind of stuff, until um, all the different changes that Miles Davis went through. Anyway, this uh, peak performance by the second great quintet. Hope you enjoyed that set. And uh, we're going to turn now and tell you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show. And as we have done for um, most of the shows in June, we celebrate live jazz. And, of course, June is Jazz Festival Month, so we've been presenting on this program great live performances. And we're going to turn now again to this club called the Village Gate. And this time, a very adventurous band led by Sonny Rollins, recorded in July of 1962, uh, Rollins was moving in a different direction, um, experimenting, changing, moving, doing all kinds of things. And this engagement at the Village Gate was an interesting one because this was the um, pretty well the debut of a new band that he had put together with trumpeter Don Cherry and drummer Billy Higgins, both from... Ornette Coleman's band. And the bassist here is Bob Cranshaw, of course, who's the mainstay. So we have Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone, Don Cherry on cornet, Bob Cranshaw on bass, 
and Billy Higgins on drums. Actually, Don Cherry was playing a very small version of the trumpet, and he called it the pocket trumpet. And, um, of course, Cherry, one of the most individual players of the that horn, an amazing musician. So we're going to hear them do Sonny Rollins' famous composition, an extended version of uh, one of Sonny's early compositions, but done in this sort of new free-form style. And we're going to hear Doxy. Sonny Rollins at the Village Gate. Thank you. 
Sonny Rollins at the Village Gate with uh, then a brand new aggregation and a new direction in music for him. And we heard Sonny, of course, with uh, Don Cherry on trumpet or pocket trumpet. And we heard Bob Crenshaw on bass and Billy Higgins on drums. And, of course, they played a Rollins classic in this sort of new free-form way. And uh, that tune, of course, was Sonny Rollins' 16-bar blues, Doxy. Sonny Rollins at the Village Gate, July 1962. And uh, historic change in direction for Sonny. And, of course, like Miles Davis, one of those musicians that was always evolving, changing, doing different things. We're going to close the show and take you to Sweden to a club called the Golden Circle in Stockholm and feature the Ornette Coleman Trio with Mr. Coleman on alto saxophone, of course, with the wonderful classical bassist who came from a classical background right into free form or at least Ornette Coleman-style jazz, David Eisenson on bass, the late David Eisenson. On drums, Charles Moffat. And this particular trio, this is one of my favorite Ornette Coleman bands, and these are a whole series of delightful recordings done at this uh, club in Stockholm in December of 1965. So we're going to hear the um, opening announcement and we're going to hear an Ornette Coleman composition called Faces and Places. The music of Ornette Coleman. Får jag lov att presentera Ornette Coleman Trio. Ornette Coleman, David Eisenson, Charles Moffat. Sista dagen så vi har det stora nöjet att ha denna fantastiska trio här. Och jag tycker de är värda en kraftigare applåd som finns. It's very nice to have you here. You know, and I hope that you can come back here real soon again. Okay. Okay. Well, we're starting to have enjoyed ourselves here, and we hope everyone has also. So thank you very much.
the amazing music of Ornette Coleman. Closing our show this evening, Ornette Coleman on alto saxophone, David Eisenson on bass, and Charles Moffat on drums. And that piece called Faces and Places was recorded at the Golden Circle, a um, great little jazz club in Stockholm in December of 1965. Ornette Coleman, one of my favorite uh, Ornette Coleman bands was this uh, trio. He uh, really had to play, which he did, and um, just uh, tremendous creativity. One of the geniuses of jazz music and still very controversial. Ornette Coleman. All right. That's it for the jazz show for the month of June, Jazz Festival Month. Get out and enjoy the jazz festival because it's in full bloom. And, of course, there are events going on all week, right up until July 2nd. And um, amazing music and thousands of musicians here in Vancouver all kinds of free venues, ticketed uh, venues, everything. Get on to, um, if you still need to find out about the Jazz Festival, get on to the website, coastaljazz.ca. That'll give you all the information uh, as to who's playing what, where, when, um, how much it'll cost, whether it's free, all this sort of stuff. So uh, check it out, coastaljazz.ca. On behalf of CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca for live streaming, my name is Gavin Walker. This is the final edition of The Jazz Show for the month of June. And, of course, we'll be back on July 3rd with the first edition in July. Right? Take care. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy the jazz festival. Enjoy everything about Vancouver because it's at its best this time of year. See you next week. Bye-bye.
Thank you.